Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! What's up, my nerds? Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you guys with us on the show where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. And uh, don't forget to make sure you leave us a review. That would help others to find the show, give us a great rating, uh, wherever you can do that. So uh, iTunes or uh, Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast, go ahead and leave us a review. That would be great. Uh, much appreciated. If you are independently wealthy and want to send some money to our Patreon, you can find that on our Facebook page, uh, but also at the bottom of the show notes here on the episode. While I'm mentioning Facebook, go ahead and join our Facebook group for Next Gen Nerd, so you can kind of see what's coming up and participate in some discussion on the different episodes. Today we are talking about one of the few Western movies that I actually enjoy, and it's also one of my favorite movies. We're talking about Tombstone, the little gem that came out at the end of 1993 on Christmas Day, starring Kurt Russell and a whole host of others. And joining me today, joining me again since our uh, I Am Legend episode, I've got Red. Red, good to see you, bud. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. When uh, I mentioned, you're like, hey, let's do an episode. I'm like, okay, what, what do you want to do it on? You're like, whatever. And I said, how about Tombstone? And you were just giddy. You're yeah. just giddy. Oh, yeah. So tell me about your history with Tombstone. Um, well, for one, it's by far one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm not a huge Western movie guy either, but um, just something about this, you know, Something about the story that um, on on how they tell. It. I think one that '90s movies uh, tell better stories than movies today. I, I I think that we heavily rely on a lot of more special effects now. Right, right, as a crutch, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and so we we've lost kind of that flavor, you know, and that substance to 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 telling a good story. And I think in, in Tombstone is, is you know one the cast is phenomenal. Yes, like insane cast in this movie. Um, but just the story that's being told, it, it, it just really does give you a glimpse into real people. Mm. You know, I know it's loosely, I know there's always theatrics that they kind of have to, they got to add filler in and kind of fill in the gaps of stuff that we don't know. But like, man, this cast did a really good job at portraying these guys and, and their personalities very well, I think. Yeah. Uh, as I was watching it yesterday, um, I was kind of looking through, uh, on IMDb, they had, uh, trivia, but they also had goofs and, you know, there were several things, you know, historical inaccuracies that were there. But surprisingly, there was a lot that was legit on target. That was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, so that was interesting. We'll get into into some of those here in a little bit. Um, so I went. We went to small group yesterday. We're leaving. I remind you, we're gonna go home and watch it now. Yeah. Uh, so I went home, and uh, Asher didn't want to go to sleep, and so Carrie was sitting on the couch, and I go, well, "I'm watching Tombstone," which is not necessarily appropriate for my four year old. Yeah. But he's sitting here, and he asked many questions, uh, and so Carrie said, "I'm gonna watch the first first little bit, and I'm gonna go to bed." She watched the whole thing. She watched nice. the whole thing, nice. and uh, and she goes, "Well, it was just because." You know, I was holding Asher, and I didn't want to put him down. I said, that is baloney. It is a fantastic movie, and you're like, I can't, I'm going to have to stay up and watch the whole thing. Um, I remember uh, watching a lot of movies with my dad growing up. I think because, you know, my parents were separated, and so he had all three of us. And if we were watching a movie, it meant we were quiet for like an hour and a half. And so it was was a lot of times where he's, yes, uh, let's watch a movie. Uh, Dad's going to have a beer, and we're going to have some dinner, and just sit there, please. Yeah, hopefully Um, take a nap. (laughs) And uh, and so, and and two, you know, 
maybe to my detriment, there were many that we watched that were definitely not age appropriate for us, yeah. you know. And so '93, that's third grade for me. We probably didn't watch it the the year it came out, but it was probably pretty close to there, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade. Yeah, um, and uh, and so you know, I remember watching it then. I've watched it several times since, uh, and really. It is a great story. It's a great story, wonderfully told. Um, but I am only watching it for Val Kilmer. Let's be honest. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Doc Holliday is by far my favorite character. Um, I, it, but it is one of those movies that if it's on, I'm watching. Yes, it. yes, I'm watching it. There's, I mean, there's nothing else that's on that's going to interest me as more. And I've and I've seen the movie a hundred times. Yes, and and there's enough. I mean, there, there's plenty of. Of wonderful scenes throughout, you know, it doesn't start off slow. There's no slow in the middle. I mean, there's there's a lot that they're cramming in there. So you're right. So you can jump in at any point. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yes, I, I was looking at my Funko Pops today, and I have Doc Holliday with a with a little little liquor glass, little uh, little silver tin cup that yeah. he uh, he has, and um, it's I thoroughly enjoy it. Thoroughly enjoy. It. I made some notes this time as I was watching things that stood out to me that I either haven't noticed before or that I thought that's interesting. Uh, the first that I noticed, they were talking at the very beginning of the movie that the cowboys, the, the villains of the movie, uh, were the first instance of organized crime in America. Nice. Uh, and I was like, okay, didn't think about it like that. But when you yeah. watch how they interact with law enforcement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially towards the end of the movie when several of them are made to be law enforcement, you know, that, that idea that infiltrating the government in those ways in order to have things overlooked. Um, and even, you know, uh, they establish the law, no guns in town. And all through the rest of the movie, you still see them with guns in town. Yeah, like they, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to follow you. We're not going to do what you asked us to do. Uh, so that was interesting. I thought it was interesting the, the organized crime angle. Yeah, I think and and I think that they did a good job at um, showing kind of that hierarchy, where there was a select few that kind of had their head screwed on and they were smart and they were kind of the leaders. But then like there were several times in the movie where you just kind of like shake your head at the cowboys because like I, like I remember the one scene where um, uh, the traveling. Uh, musicians or yeah, actors yeah, yeah, yeah. came into town and uh, they're all gathered around and they were just acting foolish. Like they were <laughs> pushing each other around. They were, you Catch know, this. Yeah, yeah. Shooting. <laughs> I mean, at one point they put like probably 50 holes in the ceiling mm-hmm. because they just decided to shoot in the air as, 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 instead of clapping. Yes. Um. So like, you know, they showed like this really wild side to a select few, but then you have guys like Johnny Ringo where mm-hmm. he's just, uh, I mean, he's a monster, but he's also very educated. He's very smart. Mm-hmm. You know, and very, very somewhat equal to like a, your Doc Holidays or anybody like. You know, from the very beginning, he's McMaster's is not okay with their methods. You know, and he's the the one that that says I'm not I'm not part of this anymore. You know, and so yeah. it was a a vast array. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also have not just like these guys are crazy, but I think like Ike is an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely. Which, I mean, really, you think organized crime, you're going to have all those types in there. Exactly. You're going to have those types that are there because it's just a matter of convenience. This yeah. is the family I, I, I've run with. Um, you've got those that are that are leaders. You've got those that are really crazy. Like, just don't let them get loose. And you've got the idiots that you're like, yeah, I'm going to just put it on them. I'm going to have yeah. them go do this. Exactly. He's very much a pawn. Yes. You know, yes. Very much a pawn in it. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see them being an organized crime unit and, uh, you know, wreaking havoc. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what they did. But um, <laughs> yeah, and, it, and, it, and I, I think it was interesting too how they brought some people out where they were like, you know, this is just too far. Like early on, I can't remember who the character's name was, but um, you know, like early on where they uh, were in the Mexican town, mm-hmm. and you know, they went in there and shot everybody up and shot the priest, and you know, 
they were dragging the woman back into the church and you could just see on his face like you could see early on like this is not me i think it's mcmasters he's the guy that played uh yondu in uh guardians of the galaxy yes he was the curly-headed guy yeah yeah so in uh which at the very end of the movie i don't know what his name is always i know his name is because they say they got mcmasters i'm like who the heck was mcmasters i looked up and go oh it was that dude so at the very end when ringo's calling him out that's the one that they he drug behind the horse and he was all mutilated was was that guy um so I thought that was interesting that, that they they labeled that as as organized crime. I think that was a good fit. Um, which one of the scenes that they said was not accurate was when Curly Bill uh, got loose after killing the the marshal. Um, they said that actually, and the reason he was let go was not because they had uh, applied pressure to the to the cops and said you know let them go or they were manipulating them, but um, the marshal actually lived long enough to get somewhere and go. I don't think he did it on purpose. I think it was an accident. I think oh. he was. I think he was. Uh, he didn't mean to shoot me. Yeah, yeah, he was hopped up on peyote or something. Yes, yeah, and, and you see him right after that. That character's like, yeah. oh geez, what happened? What I didn't mean. I didn't mean to do that. Wake and, up. Wake yeah. Up. <laughs> so he like they were saying like that was one of the the differences was that yeah. he he was able to share a testimony that like no 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 it was it was definitely an accident and that's why they let him go. Because gotcha. it was an accident. I mean, he still killed somebody because he was he was drugged up, and um, but that was one of the things they say was different. And some like the the character choices. So like even the marshal, the he was only thirty years old, uh-huh. and they had somebody else to play the marshal in the last minute. He couldn't, and so that's when they brought in gotcha. Harry Carey to do it. Gotcha. Um, or uh, or the one guy that was kind of a little more effeminate that was taken with uh, Billy Zane's character. Yes. yes. They're like that was definitely not a good fit. He was an older guy. He was a ex- very experienced uh, gunslinger and fist fighter. He was a manly man. Like that was he was not bisexual. He was not effeminate. Really? Like that was not him at all. Um, he was well known for his ability to, to win in a fist fight and his skill as a gunman, which is not what you get from the character. No, um, was but he openly gay? No, he wasn't at all. Huh. Wasn't at all. So it was. Yeah, where did they pull that from? No idea. That's weird. No That's idea. Weird. Um, and I kept looking for one character because it was played by Wyatt Earp's fifth cousin, but I couldn't find him. Like I don't know who it was, but Wyatt Earp's fifth cousin, whose all, name is also Wyatt Earp, uh, was oh, nice. was in the movie. Nice. Um, you know, during that uh, during that scene that we were just talking about, the Curly Bill one. Um, was, I mean, most of Doc Holliday's scenes were brilliant. <laughs> But it was one that's got to be one of my favorite ones where he he says that, you know, he's like, you're so drunk, you're probably seeing double. And he's like, I have two guns. Yeah, one one for each of you. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good scene. Um, Keep going, keep going. No, no, you're good, you're good. Um, I was laughing because I wrote several quotes down. I mean, again, this is a very quotable movie, which definitely makes it easier to to enjoy, easier to share, easier to come back to, Mm -hmm. you know. And so there's there's several good quotes from all characters. All of Val Kilmer's dialogue were, were great one-liners. I wrote down, if you weren't my friend, I don't think I could bear it. Uh, you know, it was just every everything out of his mouth. Everything about him, like, I love every every one of these when he's playing poker. And Ike's like, what is that, 14 hands in a row? And he goes, Ike, whatever do you mean? What are you trying to say? Poker's just not your game. Maybe we should try a spelling contest. <laughs> And that was that was the scene I think where um, he ended up coughing. He, he like started coughing, and as he was leaving, Ike was like, "I hope you die." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was just just so so many of his so many of his lines. Uh, they're just they're they're all good, and so and and this movie is credited for why he got Batman. Yeah. Uh, in 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 uh, in Batman Forever. Uh, very deserving. Very deserving. Val Kilmer. Um, you know, like I like, and I think we I think we've talked about this before, but I like characters that. Um, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. I like characters that 
don't play themselves in every movie. Yes. And there's, I mean, there's a few out there. I mean, there's a lot out there that do it, but there's, there's, there's a few guys out there that can actually um, become the character that they are, and you never see a hint of their own personality coming out. And I think Val Kilmer is one of those guys. Like, if if you look back at uh, in Top Gun, yeah, you know, not Val Kilmer, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, Batman, same thing. Not Val Kilmer. Right. Uh, this Almost movie. like he's acting. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Doc, you know, his his role in Doc Holliday, there was not a single ounce of Val Kilmer's personality. Like, he took on that. He took on, he was Doc Holliday throughout right. that movie. And, and and I can appreciate, there's very few actors that I can say that can do that. I think Mel Gibson's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tom Hanks is one of them. Um, and, and to put Val Kilmer on that list, it's, it, it's crazy to think, but he is, uh, when you really start thinking back interview, I think it was interview of the vampire. Wasn't he in that one? I don't know. I'm picturing Brad Pitt and, um, and Tom Cruise, but he may have been in that one too. I can look it up. Maybe it wasn't. I thought he played a vampire in a movie. Okay. But anyway, um, just movies like any movie that he was in really just played the character and he really took it on. And I think, well, I mean, to me, Doc Holliday was by far my favorite character. I remember um, he had a line in the beginning, which, again, going back to this cast that they had uh, in the beginning where he first meets Wyatt in Tombstone, and Wyatt had just got done throwing Billy Bob Thornton's yes. character out of yes. the saloon. And, uh, Skin that smoke wagon yeah. to see what happens. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, throws him out, and then him and Doc reunite, and then they're just standing there talking, and then all of a sudden Doc leans or looks over and goes, oh, I forgot you were there. <laughs> like, what an insult. Yes. What an insult, but what a great line. Yep. What a great line. What a great scene to think of in that movie. Like, mm-hmm. whoever directed it and whoever thought, whoever wrote this movie, it, like, amazing. There were several things that he did that they said was his idea. So when they're going to the OK Corral and he's whistling the whole time, they're like, "That was that was not in the script." Val Kilmer was oh, just really? like, "I think he would whistle here." I yeah, think it was yeah. there. And so, and even like his choice of a Southern aristocratic accent rather than your typical Western accent was his choice because it just makes sense. He's an educated guy; it would make yeah. sense that that would be that would be the case. Um, but uh, it was again every every single scene he's in he steals so good she so steals so good. and and so Carrie was like I just really hope that our son doesn't pick up any bad habits from watching this I go if he goes around saying I'm your huckleberry, huckleberry yeah. like I'm totally fine she goes I don't think those are the words I'm worried about him picking up I was like I know but I will try and so <laughs> this, I that's the only words I remember that's it so that's I tried to tell him I was like hey hey Asher say I'm your huckleberry he goes I'm not your huckleberry and I go that works too I'll take it I'll take it either one um uh the other uh the other quote is not the um uh, a Doc Holiday quote, but um uh when Kurt Russell is at the train station, they think he's leaving and he shoots him and he said, you know, you call down the thunder, tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. It's like every time he does it's like, Yes, get him like <laughs> Carrie was she was thinking about going to bed right before that. I go, Oh, it's about to get good. Yeah. It's about to get he good. She's really oh, he's gonna kill everybody, he's gonna kill everybody. Everybody. Um but uh yeah, so so many good lines. So many good lines. Um uh, you know, and and even e- e- like, given the subject matter, you wouldn't think you would laugh as often as you do. Uh-huh. Uh, but I laughed over and over again. Just even the little fate, like when um when Johnny Ringo is doing all his pistol tricks, and then and then uh you know Doc Holliday follows him up with the cup. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. It's just funny, and just the looks on their faces, like 
he's wildly insulting Johnny Ringo, yep. and Curly Bill laughs, and he's like, "Okay, that was good. That was yeah, you know." Exactly. They're like, "They're like that was that was really good. Drinks are on me. That was that was a good one." Yeah. Um. It was. It's a funny. It's a funny movie. It really is. It's just. A, it's just a funny movie. It's that like push and pull kind of thing. Yes. You know, it it gives you the highs and then gives you the lows, and it it it, it again, it's just a great story being told. I don't. I can't think of a movie in the last 10, 15 years that's written as well as some of the movies that were in the 90s. Yeah. As as, as far as telling a story, and I think because, obviously, you said it, now we have this crutch Mm -hmm. where we can, um, you know, steal people's attention for two hours with special effects and sound. And, you know, and, and I think it's a great thing, but we've lost that. Yeah. That ability to tell a good story. And most of it's moved now to TV. Yes. You know, needing long form to go into much deeper character development. Because really, you, you look at those characters, there's not a whole lot of character development from start to finish. Yeah. You know, they, they, I mean, to be honest, I mean, you know, Wyatt Earp, you see a little bit of not wanting to be a lawman, but how long does that last before he's back in? Yeah. And there's not like, you know, he is who he is at the beginning, same at the end. There's not a whole lot of change there yeah. uh, in, in any of them. There's there's not a whole lot of character change in any of them, but you're able to do that in, in kind of longer format. Um Speaking of character, uh, I did find it difficult for me to sign off on Wyatt Earp totally not wanting to hang out with his wife and this random woman like the second he shows up. Like, I'm watching yeah. him going, I'm not sympathetic to your adultery. Like, no. there have been other movies that I've watched that I go, I totally get it. She's a witch. And, yeah. like, I, I would I would avoid her too. But here I'm going, she's obviously addicted to this stuff. You know, she's, she's addicted. She's got her issues. And it was just like... Either historically there was more to the story that they just didn't tell very well. Mm-hmm. Again, no excuse, but right. you know, explains yes why. But um, you know, explains the behavior, but doesn't excuse it. And so, yeah, I agree. I agree. I didn't. I, I didn't really quite appreciate it, and it happened so fast. But yes, I also enjoy again going back to Doc Holliday. Um, Picking up on it right away. Yeah. What are you up, What are you gonna do if that if that devil woman, devil actress comes in here? I'll ignore her. I'll remember you said that. <laughs> he said that as he walks away. I know. He's like, "You're right, Wyatt. You're an oak." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, and 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 really, it's it's so hard when you look at these brothers. So also a, a factual inaccuracy. There are actually five Ert brothers, and they yes. were all there. Um, and so, uh, but. It's like they all found women on the way there. They're like, "Where did he get her?" Like, like you weren't on the same train. Like, I don't, I don't understand what happened here. Like, uh, you know, you're all arriving about the same time. You yeah, know, yeah, that is kind of weird. I it, didn't pick up on that. They're, they're just like, you know, here's my wife. Here's my wife. Oh, that's your wife. Cool, great. We all have wives. Yeah. Let's go over this way. Yeah, we didn't just come from Kansas together. It, it's just, it's, it's weird that that's that's. But you know, even if they came out, let's say three months earlier, six months earlier, it's still kind of odd yeah. uh, the way that is. And two. They ask him, uh, uh, you know, are you actually married? And, like, he doesn't answer, of course I am. Like, it's kind of like, well, I guess that's kind of how it is now. So yeah. it, it was odd. It was odd. I had a little bit of, like, oh, well, she died right after, like, in the credits at the end, so she died, like, a year after she left. And so I'm going, okay, well, or six months after she left Tombstone, well, maybe he was fake. I don't know if he was fake. If he was just, full, if it was a emotional affair rather than uh, a, physical one, a physical one until she died. I don't know. But then I read somewhere else that she lived for like eight more years after that. Oh yeah. So that doesn't excuse it. At it all. Yeah. It was like, okay, that's, that's definitely not it. But I did like, I wasn't sympathetic to his desire to have a relationship with her. No. There, there were plenty of other times where I go, I get it, man. Like, you know, you're, it was just, I'm here, I'm here. And, and, and again, it could be the way that it was cut up because you know, scenes. We're not sure how many time, how much time has passed between them. Mm-hmm. You know, is this a matter of days, weeks, months? Is this several years that they're that they're here on the frontier? I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but given it, it was like, uh, I mean, I get that she's cute, you know, and she's not like most women you know. I, I get that, but you're married, yeah, and it's exactly. and it and it seems to be a new thing. You know, it's not like I've been married for twenty years and it's been it's been miserable, and she's addicted to painkillers, and like you've just gotten married. Yeah, you know, and but but it is crazy. There was another scene too where she asked him to go out with her and spend time with her, and he's like, "I got to go to work." And she's like, "Okay." And he's like, "You know what? No, you're right. Let's let's do something together." She's like, "No, I'm good." Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, well, hang on." Yeah, but I mean that also. Well, one, um, I, I I genuinely believe that women have this sixth sense of you know when it comes to these things, and so she was very observant. They, I, I think during that scene, they were walking out of the play or whatever, or there was some. He had locked eyes with the right. other girl, and I think she picked up on that. Mm. And so she was obviously that was coming off of that. <laughs> um, so she probably really wasn't wanting to hang out with him anyway. She was probably mad at him. But yeah, no excuse. Um, you know that character that that lady played. I can't remember what was her name. Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. Maddie. It was like her name was like Jennifer Elizabeth, but we call her Maddie. It's like where did that nickname come from? Yeah. But yeah. And then what was the other girl's name? I'm trying to remember the one that uh, he ended up. Kate. Is it Kate? Um. Anyway, like he, um, you know, she was completely different personality. So I can see why he was tempted there because she was much more free spirited, uh, traveling around. Um. You know, for a guy like him who, you know, it's it's, it's weird. He he Josephine came, Josephine. So he comes to Tombstone to kind of lay his roots and settle down, and then complete and then meets this lady, and she's like talking about room service and traveling around the world, and he's like, uh, you know, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, why make up your mind? Yeah, you just came here to settle down and and and, and, and you know strike it big and and buy a house and have a family. And then you now, own land. Somehow you won. I don't get this whole Pharaoh game. They're like, and you lost. You know, it's like no more money. Play, play, play. Oh, I know, oh you won that time. I now own. You know, four four claims to a, a silver mine. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was it was it was odd. And he goes straight to Maddie and goes, "Let's get out of here. Let's go. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Let's go." It. Which, to his credit, like I'm not going to run off with you. That does sound like a good idea. Let me see if my wife will go for us doing that. Yeah. Uh, and she thinks he's crazy, rightfully so. Like we just got here, yeah, we exactly. just got here, and so you know it. It was that was odd. That was odd. Uh, even their you know rendezvous at the end, it's kind of like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, there was more chemistry when you guys were in, in the West, but that's cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, also, I have written down here, Ike's a coward. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> <laughs> the number of times that he's like, no, please don't shoot me. Um, which uh, that was another. Uh, Another inaccuracy that he didn't actually steal a gun from the sheriff and shoot. Like, he was gone. Like, he ran. Which is more fitting for Ike. Not like, let me save my brothers. He was like, I'm out of here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he uh, he didn't shoot from the photography suite or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the number of scenes I'm watching him, I'm going, you are an idiot and a coward. Like, yeah. what, are, what are you even in the gang for? Yeah. Um, you know that I, I think the big, I mean, I can expect that from a character like Ike. Uh, but I think the bigger coward was the sheriff. Oh yeah, yeah. By far the the biggest coward in the movie was him. It was so curious. Curious. He, they're working together, and I go, they're not working together. And then later, when like all of them are now sheriffs, I'm like, oh, they were definitely working together. Yeah. They were definitely working together. Yeah, but he was he was definitely a coward. Like, yeah, the only one he stood up to was the guy that was going to obey the law. Yeah. The, the herbs. He's like, you're all under arrest. Um, I don't think I'm gonna let you arrest us today. No, yeah. we're, we're good. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's not a county matter. It's a city matter. Marshall, you deal with the wild, crazy man in the street shooting yeah. his gun. 
Wait, Instead was, of just doing the right thing. Yes. Yes. Instead of just doing the right thing. Let me pu- let me push it off on someone else. Yes. Um so yeah, no, he was he he was definitely also uh, a coward. Uh but one of my I mean, so many of my you know, the scenes that I enjoy like when Ike he takes his sash off. When they're chasing, they're gonna kill him. And they take the sash <laughs> off. Not, I'm not a cowboy like, anymore. No, I'm done. There's no red sash. You tell him I see your red sash, I'm shooting. Uh there's no more red sash. It's not it's we're 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 safe. Leave me alone and and sure there were, they let him go, oh, which is which is interesting because they were saying that um, they would not have shot into the photo- photography studio because he had he had he had said he was no longer combatant, and they shiv- with chivalry they let him let him do that. That's fine. Get out of here then. Like if you're not that, then you're you're not a combatant. And it was interesting too to see. I don't know all the rules, but like they had rules as far as what they could do, what they couldn't do, how it was supposed to work out. You know. Who could draw first, and then who wasn't? It was it was interesting to see that piece and go. There are all these rules involved in what seems to be chaos, yeah. just straight up chaos. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But yes, I have Ike's a coward. I wrote that one down. You know, and it, it always amazes me. In and I don't know if this is an accurate thing or not with westerns, but you see it in every Western movie, this like duel that's in the street. And I know, I mean, I've heard that it's happened before, but right. like, like in the, I think it was in one of the opening, was it in the opening scene of that? Or was it the opening scene of the actual Wyatt Earp movie where like two guys, they just like got in an argument and they, 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 they go outside and they just shoot each other because one person called the other one, some, you know, some name or something like that. And it's like, that is not grounds for shooting someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is the scene where two of the guys that end up teaming up with Wyatt or later, they come out and they shoot a guy and the sheriff's like, I need your guns. And they're like, it was totally legal. It was totally legal. What, what we did. And, uh, and he's like, it doesn't matter. I need your guns and, and we'll let the judge sort it out or whatever. And yeah. they're like, well, okay, I guess it's, I guess that's the way it is. <laughs> um, but I was t- telling Carrie, I said, it's, it's all like the majority of it was initial aggression. Like yeah. If you were not the initial aggressor, you could do whatever the heck you want to do. He pulled his gun first. Yeah, you could put him down. You yeah, could definitely yeah. put him down. Um, you know, which sometimes I think, man, there we go. That's well. Let's be honest. That, it, we're in America. Like that is what that that is the deal now. Like yeah, you know, yeah. he he drew first. We're good to go. Yeah. Um, you're at school and a kid throws a punch first. You don't get expelled. They do. Um, but but yeah. Uh, while we'll come back to our uh, our well, we'll do that now. We'll jump into that now. Um. One more scene that I learned was historically accurate. At the end, when Wyatt Earp is coming across the river shouting, no, and he's, like, not getting shot, and he goes yeah. right Like, that legit happened. Like, they were yeah, like, yeah. hail gunfire, bullets everywhere, and Wyatt Earp, uh, in his his long career as a lawman, was never shot, never grazed, not a bullet touched his skin. It's crazy. Uh, but in that scene, they're like, that legit happened. Like, he was coming across, and we were all shooting at him, and Curly Bill was just unloading and missing every shot, and he just put that him is, down. That is, that is crazy. That that is another great line from Doc Holliday where he's, you know, they can't find him. Well, where's he at? And he's like, down by the creek, walking, walking on, on water. water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's such a good line. It is. Such a good line. <laughs> such a good line. Uh, and, and, you know, that, and that was the other thing. Um, I think with right before that scene or maybe after that scene, I can't remember, but him and um, another guy were talking about Wyatt and how this wasn't about revenge. This mm. was about a reckoning. This yes. was about, you know, you know, basically settling a, some some debt or something, yes, you know, yes. along those lines. And I thought that was kind of cool, too, to be able to add that in. Yep, yep. So one of the, the big motifs here, uh, and one of the things that, that I find very interesting about this and other organized crime movies and things like that, is this motif of brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is, you know, that's, 
that's the draw for gangs. You know, this this family yeah. that we don't have, and, and so you you come into this and or this to have to to belong to mm-hmm. something. Um, and so it's interesting, you know, like we mentioned McMaster's earlier, who was who was a cowboy, realized it was wrong, and goes from that to being in a brotherhood with with Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have the literal brotherhood of the Earps that 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 join together, and um, it's. It's something that I think that draws us in because A, we're innately created for community, mm-hmm. you know, and B, as men, we struggle with that in general, anyways, uh, in, in having that, in having good community. And so that's when we end up having community rallied around negative things. Yeah. Um, but I thought that that was, uh, I mean that was that was it. I mean everything was you killed one of my brothers, I'm killing one of your brothers. Like that was that was the whole thing back and forth from the initial scene uh, with the Mexican wedding. Yeah. Like you killed two of my men, and the, you know it was. So we're gonna wipe your whole town out. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, <laughs> yes, we're gonna wipe your whole town out. Uh, shoot the bride like because she was screaming because you killed her husband in yeah. front of her on the wedding day. Yes, kill yeah. the priest because he was quoting scripture and yeah. yeah. And then ate their food. And ate their food and said we are here for the feast definitely. Your Spanish is worse than your English. A, a pale, a sick horse. Yeah, a sick, horse. sick horse. But that is that that is cool though, and that's good writing that that they put that in the very beginning, and then it's tied into yep. the end where you yep. have the, this dying Doc Holliday who's pale and ends up killing Johnny Ringo. Yes. So, oh, yes. spoiler, my bad. Well, no, if you no, haven't no. seen Tombstone since 1993. You're, but you're but it also ties into that's because it's the pale horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, rider that sat on was death, and hell followed him. And yeah. what does what does Wyatt Earp say at the beginning? He goes, "You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me." You know, yeah. he was the rider on the pale horse. Like I'm, I'm yeah, coming yeah. in. Um, but yes, and uh, when when Doc Holliday is dying and looks at his feet, and he's like, "Well, I'll be, I'll be." He had assumed that his gambling would kill him, a gum would kill him, liquor would kill him, and he would die with his boots on. Like he yeah. would die like. And he's like, oh, "I guess not. This is how I die. Yeah. This is how I go." Yeah. Um, so, uh, so this motif of brotherhood, you know, in ministry, this is something that we try to create, you know, we just got done, you know, we're wrapping up after youth group. And that was kind of the thing I was talking about tonight, you know, having those, those guys that you can surround yourself with that have total rights to be able to, to, to call you out on it, you know, to call you out on your stuff, but also to, to be there for you in the hard times. And, um, and that's, you know what the church was made for. I mean, Jesus surrounded himself with twelve guys, maybe not with red sashes, but uh, you know, uh, it's it was sandals. Yes, uh, that's that's his calling sign. I have I have on, on the uh, on the the quick fire questions like, what would your game gang symbol slash color? What would what would it what would it be? So we'll get back to that. Um, but it's just interesting that that. That's what we're drawn to. I remember at one point, like, I was every organized crime movie I could find, I was like, yes, because I wanted to, I wanted to belong, yeah. you know, and we have that desire in us. Um, I wanted to have a cool nickname and maybe an outfit that matched and whatever else. Uh, but um, why is it, why is it that we have all these other expressions? Why is it that we don't see it stronger in the church? What are your thoughts on that? Why don't we see it in the church? Well... I think for one, like when you're talking about brotherhood, there is a sense of when you suffer together, it creates this bond. Like, I think that's why guys in the military, they have like this, you know, camaraderie that many don't have because they, they just, they just suffered with one another. And so they, they, they can look at another, you know, vet and go, yeah, I know what you've been through. I've shared that suffering with you. And I think in the American church, we just don't suffer enough. Mm. Um, I mean, we take little darts here and there. Right now, I got you. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, we're not like 
worshiping in a basement in China. You know, we're not, you know, you know, we can like some of the buildest or some of the biggest buildings in America are churches. Yeah. You know, and so, um, I mean, we buy sports arenas and convert them into churches like yeah. that. So we, we don't suffer here. And I, and, and so I think it's tough to kind of, you know, find that connection with other believers and other church members whenever we're, we're, we're when everything's good, everything's mm. well. And, um, I, I'm sure there's going to be a period of time where, you know, we are going to experience that and kind of r- really experience persecution and, and suffering. We just haven't had that in America, you know? And so I think when you, when you, when you suffer with somebody, you, you it, that builds a stronger bond. Um, I was just looking up, you know, scripture and we went over Romans last night in small group. And, you know, that was one of those things like, you know, the sufferings that we're right, going through in right. this present time, you know, that, that, that suffering creates bonds that, mm. that, that, you know, that you look at another believer that's going through something, you go, yeah, I've been there. Mm. Like, I know exactly what you're going through. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, we have it really easy mm. here in America. I, I, I just think we do. And, mm. um, the other thing too is, uh, we, I don't know. I think we've turned church into more of a spectator sport. Oh yeah, and, definitely. And yeah. So you know, I hate you know ragging on the church through that. I hate, hate no, this no, sounding no, no. like I'm ragging on the church. But well, here, well, let's let's pivot. So so you started roots here. Yeah. You know, the purpose of creating community with men. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, creating small groups for men. Um, how do you take that idea that we don't suffer well together? How do you take that that craving for brotherhood? How do you take that and implement it into men's ministry? Um. I mean, it, it, I mean, whether we did it well or not, this go around with roots. I think this yeah. is something definitely to think about because I think, you know, in the first meeting we had, um, I remember we were sharing some of those challenges, and it may not have been, you know, well, let me. I hate, I hate when people do that when we when we go. Well, you're not suffering like our. I may be suffering like people are in a third world country, but I've got I've got issues yeah, that I deal with that break me down. And I remember that after that meeting. Like I was looking forward to coming back, and going, how is that yeah, going? Yeah, yeah. How is that? Like, are, are you okay? Like, I've been praying for you. Like, I was thinking about it, you know. And so, I think that we can we can move in that direction. But how do we how do we replicate what is happening? The, the, the actual community, you know, instead of it just being let's come together and spend thirty minutes and then go. How do we create that community among men in our churches? Well, definitely Monday through Saturday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that's for one. Yep, Monday through Saturday, like. Um, you know, the local church should be not just gathering for 30 minutes, 50 minutes, two hours, whatever it may be on a Sunday. They, they, they need to be living life with one another. Um, so that's for one, uh, two, getting them in a room and sitting down and talking and, yeah. and, 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 and breaking down those walls. Uh, you know, a lot of men have that problem where they'll come into a setting and they won't, they won't share their experiences. They, 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 you know, the devil's really good at making you think that you're the only one going through something. Right. So, um, that's, that's for one, just getting them face to face with one another and having them recognize that you're not alone. You struggle with the same temptations that every other man in this room struggle with, right? whether it's, you know, uh, a wandering eye or right. whether it's a uh, substance abuse, right. like, like Christians are not immune to these things. And so, you know, when you can get people in a room and, 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 you know, someone can finally, that wall finally comes down and the Holy Spirit moves and they go, you know what, guys, I have, I have a pornography problem. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't, and I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you know, we, again, we, we were in Romans, like, right. like I, my flesh wants to sin and I don't want to sin, but my flesh wants to sin, you right. know, and how do I, how do I kind of, you know, uh, work through this and, 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 you know, 
and you know, live the way that my spirit wants me to live. And, and when you get in a room full of other men, that, that stuff comes out eventually. Yeah. It doesn't come out right away. I'm yeah. glad to hear that it came out on one of the first meetings it where did. people were where people were sharing. Uh, typically, it takes about three or four meetings for that to happen. Um, usually, it takes that one person to kind of break the ice and go, I got a problem. I need, right. I need help. Right. Um, but yeah, getting them in a room and actually talking and then, and then somebody being brave enough. Um, and strong enough to share their weaknesses. And, and, and I think that's also a lie that men have been told is that uh, in order to be strong, you have to, you, you have to figure it all out on your own. Mm. You got to do it yourself and you just kind of, kind of work through it, right? you know, get it done, fix your problem. And it just doesn't work that way. And, yeah. you know, and strength, strength, it's, it, it takes a stronger man to admit I'm a screw up in this right. area and I need help. Right. I, I, I need my brothers. I need somebody to, you know, to, to carry this burden with me and to help me and hold me accountable. Um, I think the other thing too, is, uh, um, relationships are built better whenever you're rubbing elbows with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting them together and doing things or serving in the church, um, teams that serve in the church are far closer together than just, just your average members. Of course. Um, so if you're just, if you're just coming in, you're checking off a box and you're sitting in a pew, you're not, you know, you're, you're not make you're not rubbing elbows with anybody. Mm. Um, hopefully you're not while you're sitting in the congregation, <laughs> but, <laughs> unless it's your spouse. Um, but, uh, you know, serving with one another right. is another great way. Mission trips, uh, you know, community outreaches, stuff like that. You know, I know here we do farm share where we, you know, feed 90 to a hundred people or, you know, or families, you know, once a month. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the people that are there, I've seen them rub elbows together and they're closer for it. Um, I've also seen them argue and that's okay too. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that, honest communication. Yeah. That's, it, yeah. It, it's good. And so, you know, I'm glad you said honest communication because transparency is very good. Mm. You know, transparency is one of those things. If you come in with a smile on your face, but you really have a frown in your heart, like right. no one can help you. No one can help you. You have to. You have to be transparent. You have to share what what you're going through. So, so somebody else can step up and go, "I've been there." Mm. You know, yeah, I dealt with the drug addiction. Yeah, I dealt with. You know, I, yeah, I used to come home and drink a six pack every day. Like this is stuff that Christians are doing, right? You know, these are stuff that believers are doing, and 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 so you know, people that are vulnerable and actually are transparent and say, "Hey, I have an issue," or "I need help," or even if it's like, "Hey." I just can't physically pick something up anymore. And another man goes, well, I can't. Right. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, you know, my body's able to, let me come over there and help you. Like that's, that's where that community comes in. That's yeah. where that connection comes in. So in the youth ministry community, uh, there are subsets of youth ministers. Some that are, I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't need help. Um, those are the ones that I don't like hanging out with. I much would rather hang out with a guy that knows, man, I could, I would love some collaboration. Yeah. And so I seek those guys out and go, I want to spend time with them. I think the same is true for men in church, uh, that if you are somebody who says, I know that I need community, I know that I need to spend time, uh, finding other guys that are like that, uh, is, is challenging, but once you find them, that community is a whole lot easier to start, you know? And so I think we've seen that with Roots this first season is some are there because this is what the church is doing and I'm here, and yeah. some are there because they go, I need community. And yeah. I think I think we've seen that some. I say that here, if you're listening and you go, that is the community that I need, uh, reach out to us because that is that is our heart. Our heart is that we do need that community. We want to spend time together. Um 
and we will make time for it. We will yeah. make time for it. The, the importance, we understand the importance of it. Uh, it's a matter of, of connecting. Uh, and so if you are out there and you go, you know what? I need some brotherhood. I need somebody that I, I, I would love to serve. I would love to, I just need to talk to somebody. I'm feeling like I'm on my own, especially, you know, COVID got me out of my routine. I'm not going to church anymore or, um, or I haven't found a church that I can reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you and, uh, and help you to, to connect because that brotherhood is important. It's necessary. It's important. Uh, and, uh, it's something we definitely want to focus on. Yeah. Well, you know, and you're, you're a better man for it. Yes. You know, like it will, it will make you grow. It will make you a, a smarter human being. It will make you a better husband. It will make you a better father. Like it, it doesn't happen right away, but you will become a better overall person when you connect with other men that are in the same mindset. You know, like there's that saying, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right, like, right. You know, the, the the more healthy, positive connections that you make that are centered around, um, I'm sorry, I just got an Amber Alert coming in, but uh, <laughs> they're centered. Oh, I, I turned those off. That's uh, probably horrible of me as a human being, geez, but. Uh, so that, I, that little kid in Miami needs you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Those connections, I, I lost my train of thought there on that one, but uh, you'll be better man for it, yeah, you'll yeah, be, yeah, you'll be better man for it. Those connections will um, get you to places that you will never be able to go on your own because you were not created to do this on your own, right? Like, you just weren't. Yep, I mean, there are very few times where God pulled somebody out, isolated them for a specific person, like, or a, a, a specific reason, right? Um but that was to bring them back into the community. Right. So, you know, it was never like, I'm just going to isolate you. Yes. You yes. Know, I'm never, I'm just going to, you just, you know, you can't do, you know, like, I, I think that there's a problem with, uh, there's, there's good and bad that came out of COVID. And one of the bad things that I feel like came out of COVID for churches is, is the online or the idea that I can attend church online. Right. Um, I understand that there's legitimate health reasons why you, you have, why someone has to stay home. Right. Not denying that. Right. Um, but to use it as, you know, kind of like, well, you know, I don't really have to go in. I don't right. really have to rub elbows with people. I can just sit here and get in. Yeah, I can check my box from my couch. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's not. I think that I think we're going to see some uh, we're going to see the some very bad fruit coming from that. Mm. Um, now, it's our job as a church to do a good job in communicating that that stuff is still going on right. here. And that, you know, we understand that this is, this is something for you, you know, our online service is, is, is for you to enjoy, right? but this isn't for you to get comfortable in. Yeah. Which I, was, I meant to do it this last week. I need to do it this week, but I really like, so this last week at the end of service, um, I told him for five minutes, be an encourager, you know, for five minutes, I want you to staying in this room. I want you encouraging each other. And I meant to look at the camera and go for five minutes. I want you pulling your phone out. And texting people and, yeah. and encouraging them. Yeah. Give them a call and encourage them for five minutes. Just go ahead and do that, even if you're at home. Because while we need community, those that are at home for whatever reason can still, it takes more work. It takes more effort to do yeah. that. Uh, so, but but you still could go, I'm gonna commute, I'm gonna connect. I'm gonna connect this week. I'm gonna look for those opportunities. Uh, and I wanna I wanna do a better job of meet them where they're at. Would I prefer they were there? Of course. But if they have a great reason for being home, I don't want them to feel left out of community because they can't physically be there given we're in 2022. Um, 
Well, cool. Uh, well, let's uh, shift. I've just got a couple quick uh, questions uh, to think about uh, putting ourselves in the movie, um, and uh, and we'll see. So the first one I said was Cowboys had their red sashes. Yeah. Uh, Marshals had their silver stars. Uh, so red, you're forming a gang. What yep. is what is your color or your symbol? Like this is how they'll recognize is me. This a good gang or a bad gang? Uh, you can make it whatever you want. Whatever you want. I, w- I mean, let's just f- for Jesus, we'll say it's a good gang. Right, we'll say good it's a good gang. gang. Yes. Um, Teardrop tattoo. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every person I say. Yeah. Um, all right. So good gang. I would definitely be. Uh, it's during a Western. No, 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 no. It can be right now. Oh, right be whatever. Now. Like right now. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm forming a gang brotherhood. We're coming together and we will be known by this, by this color, by this item, by this whatever. I would say. Like a fedora. All of our guys are wearing fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> Or a Scully. Yeah, there you yeah, go. There you go. Yep. Um, is that Boston Scully? Is that what they're called? Yeah, I think that's what they're called. Um, yeah, so, well, being that my n- name is red, the color has to be red. <laughs> um, just so it's easy for me to identify. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'd be called the uh, the Red Velvets. <laughs> the Red Velvets. And, uh, you know, we go around and... Uh, we we provide cake for everybody. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. <laughs> I was thinking you're going to go like with a with a red crushed velvet like tracksuit. You know, yeah, like, that would be awesome. That would be. Yeah, I'm I'm not good at this gang thing. Uh, <laughs> I never thought of it. Um, you never you were never in a gang. I was in a gang for about six weeks, and then they're like, you need to break the law, and I was like, I don't want to do that. That's so not, I just want to make be, be cool friends with everybody. So I will admit this: there, there was a group of us when we were younger that would. Um, uh, we followed that whole crisscross trend where you there wore you your clothes backwards. Oh, yeah. And so um, that was probably the closest thing where, like, <laughs> is, there was a group of us that would associate with one another. And it didn't last very long because yeah. uh, it's not it's not as practical as what most people think. Oh, no. <laughs> Red, I'm sorry. Do you think people think that that's a practical move? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, back in the early 90s, yeah. You, I, I'm, you know, sure, we I'm sure no one ever thought this is practical. Yeah. This is super easy. With a giant Tweety Bird shirt. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. That's, <laughs> that's real good that's stuff. That's airbrushed on. Um, so uh, so mine, uh, I would probably a flat bill cap of some kind. You yeah, know, yeah. That, that's 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 my go-to. You know, I got to throw something on. It's going to be a flat bill cap. Uh, which, funny enough, I got those those uh, foxhole hats. So there we go. We're, yeah, we're doing our own gang. Go. Doing our own gang. Uh, flat bill hat. Uh, I don't know what our name would be. Um, but the next question I have in here was your nickname. You got guys like Curly Bill. I was Ooh. like, that's that's good stuff. And, and and you already have one. It's red. But yeah. like, what what would your what was your cowboy nickname be? Uh, Scooter. Scooter. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's good. I always wanted to name something Scooter, like a pet or anything yeah. like that. Ever since I was a kid, and I never had the opportunity to. So I uh, never had the opportunity. I hope this isn't embarrassing, but that's uh, Carrie's nickname from her dad. Her dad calls her Scooter. Really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. He's a hey, Scooter. No, Daddy no, loves no, you. That's, yeah. that's a great nickname. Yep. great nickname. Um, I uh, I got Zeke or Asher at the shower today, and the way I was carrying him in his towel, he looked like a sack of potatoes. I'm gonna call you Spud. <laughs> You're Spud from now on. You look a sack of potatoes. Um. Uh, I, I think mine would have to be something about talking quickly. You know, yeah, yeah. I think that would that would be it would have to be that would that would be a defining characteristic of me. Um, or Chubbs, that'd be another one. That'd be a good one. Which you were you were in there? They were talking about. I got my shoes. I was cleaning my shoes today, and they're like, "Oh, the best shoe cleaners at the Fit to Run store." I go, I walk in there, and they're like, "Nope, sorry, sir, the Fit Cinnabon is down that way, <laughs> a little further." They just have me go turn around and walk out. Um, 
But uh, but yes, I, I love a good nickname. Uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, the game Fallout Two uh, is you can join the mafia in Fallout Two, and nice. then you get to pick your nickname. And so it was always like Iceman or something. It was yeah, something yeah. like that. But um, which Val Kilmer, Iceman? There you go. Iceman Val Kilmer. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I went. I thought you were going to say uh, Ice Cold, which was the nickname in Hackers. Remember the movie Hackers? Uh, do you remember the movie? I'm trying to remember who I. Uh, there was. Was it Ice Cold? No. Or, no, it was. Um, it was something to do with ice. Um, so, oh my gosh, uh, there was acid burn. There was uh, serial killer. Um, zero cool. You thinking zero cool? Yeah, yeah. Zero uh, cool. But what was the what was the the weird guy's name that that worked like the main hacker that worked for the like the corporation? Oh my trying. gosh, what was his name? I, I don't remember. It was it was the lamest name. Like it wasn't scary at all. It wasn't intimidating. Like it wasn't like. It wasn't one of those names that you that just stood out where you're like, wow, yeah, that's a bad guy. It was it was Eugene. No, <laughs> uh, no, I I do remember that because um, that was uh, that was one of those movies in high school that we watched all the time because yeah. we wanted to like pretend like we were that cool, uh, and it, it really wasn't. Um, but we, uh, I used to work for or not work, but we we volunteered at Buholtz and we named all our servers after the hackers. And so like gotcha. you had we had Acid Burn was one of the servers. Um, uh, of course, they're not going to give me. I'm, I'm looking up on. So you got uh, you got serial killer. You got Nikon uh, freak. That was the one that dressed like a girl. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Although, we're... although uh, I think at one point freak would used a tape recorder. Yes. For a payphone, and I actually think that worked. I think it did. I think there were several things in there that did. I actually think that worked. Um, uh, was it Razor? Was that no, it? Oh no, it wasn't. It was. Um, Oh man, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. I thought about this the other day, and I thought, man, that is a horrible name. I don't mean the other day; I mean like three months ago. But let me see here. Um, the plague. The, the yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And his name it is was, Eugene Belford, and he was the plague. Yeah, it was played by Fisher Stevens. That's right. Yep. And uh, so yeah, so I've got them all here: Phantom Freak, Lord Nikon, Zero Cool, aka Crash Override. <laughs> Crash Override. <laughs> Listen, I mean, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Add that one to the list of movies we have to do an episode on. But yes, I do. I do remember that. All right, last question. Uh, I told Kara I'm watching this, and I go, "Oh, I've always won one of those." All right, weapons, old west movies. Are there like what's your what's your loadout? You're 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 going to be a marshal. What are you carrying uh, to uh, to to beat the Cowboys? Yeah. Um, so I would do a one of those uh, Henrys. Okay. It's a it's it's a lever action. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think the caliber was like a thirty caliber, which was a solid caliber to shoot. But um, I think that's what it was. I can't remember. But um, yeah, I would do one of those. I've was, always wanted a lever action rifle. Always wanted they, one. Well, you know, it it was far more practical mm-hmm. of a rifle than any other thing. Like um, in the movie, they they at one point they had came out and there was uh, they had two double barrel shotguns. Yes. And Which although, shot three shots when, when you watch them. There were several times they shot yeah, three yeah. shots. You're like, mm, I'm not sure that's how that works. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. But um, they uh, very intimidating, but very limited on what you can do. Yes. And I feel like if you were in, even if you were in a town, yes. or if you were out in the mountains somewhere, that lever action would be my go-to choice. Not to mention reloading that, sliding them in there on the side. I'm thinking if you got two pistols, you got to holster one while you start to reload the other yeah. one, you know? I mean, you, you yeah. got 12 shots and you're done. Um, but, yes, definitely a, a lever action rifle would be nice. Um, uh, yes, the, the street howitzer is what they call the, the double-barrel shotgun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, that would that'd be it. I want one. I was looking for one. I was like, I don't know where I could find one of these. 
and Carrie definitely won't let me spend money on a. That's a toy. That's not. That's not a self defense weapon. I no. mean, that's, that's a toy. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, what I would I definitely do. do that. Definitely do that. The peacemaker that he had, um, which or what, 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 why it's famous for. That, to me, that is like I don't see that as being a practical gun in a gunfight. Right. Like it was a very long barreled pistol. Like mm-hmm. to pull that out of your holster. Like it'd take forever. It's like pulling a rifle out of your pocket. Like, <laughs> uh, not as long though gun. as the uh, as the gun that Joker pulls out of his uh, pocket in That's the first true. Batman movie. That's true. The, uh, three foot barrel. Movie, yeah, I'm sorry. The only uh, one. Uh, listen, I'll, I'll give it to you. That one is a fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Um, uh, which the new one comes out next next week. Two weeks. Yeah, it looks it looks good. I I'm know, in. I know you're interested. Uh, I'm not interested in that one. Uh, I was listening to the relevant podcast, and they were saying that. Um, Robert Pattinson, there were several things he couldn't do. He had to get in the suit and had to stay in it for like 16 hours a day. Yeah. And he couldn't read because of the way that the mask was. He couldn't look down. And so instead, he did, uh, he made like tons of ambient electronic music. And they're like, I would buy that album of Robert Pattinson in a Batman costume <laughs> making disco and uh, techno music. Like, I, I want it. I need, I need those tracks. That's what I need to listen to. Um, yeah. so. I just, I, I think for me, he will forever. Uh, be the character that he played in Twilight. See, so you don't finish the series, you, you can forget about him. You can figure, forget about him. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you to come around on that. <laughs> all right. So uh, that's uh, that's all for our Tombstone content. Uh, just a couple things, real quick, to remind you guys about. Uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to start a new series on uh, music in the movies. My buddy Lance Hardy's been coming up with all kinds of stuff, and so uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. Uh, coming up in March, uh, I also talked to somebody today about doing uh, a series of episodes called Cage Match, where we watch terrible Nick Cage movies and talk about them. Nice. So, so that's, those that's one of those guys that plays Nicolas Cage in every movie. Every movie, it's him, it's him, and in all 372 movies that he's in because he's in all of them. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, we talked today about that about doing that. So that's coming up. Uh, but a lot of stuff going on. Uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Next Gen Nerd. Don't forget to uh, give us uh, a. Um, Check out our Patreon and support us there. And, uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. You have something you want to add? Yeah, real quick. So um, on that note of actors that play themselves, Mm -hmm. which I can't stand, but here's an exception, which is also in this movie, Tombstone, Sam Elliott. Yes. So Sam Elliott, the only reason why he doesn't fit in the same category for me, because Sam Elliott plays Sam Elliott in just about every movie. The problem, though, is that, or what puts him on the good side for me is that he only picks characters where it, it fits. fits. Yeah, 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 where yeah. it fits. So, like, he, he, yes, he might be playing Sam Elliott, but Sam Elliott was perfect for this role. Yes. Where the other guys are just like, no, you're just you're just the same guy. So Yes, that, that, this is true. This is true. And That's, we didn't talk about him because Sam Elliott is one of my favorite actors. Uh, and, and plays the part fantastically. Yeah. I mean, it, yes. It, 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 I mean, he, listen, they're all fantastic. I mean, Bill Paxton... I mean, you would never think Bill Paxton could pull off a cowboy, you know. But he, they, they did. They were all. It was all fantastic. All done well. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so don't forget to leave us a review. Uh, give us five stars. That'd be fantastic. So others can find the show. Check out our Facebook. Uh, check out our Patreon. That'd be great. And uh, can't wait to see you guys on the next episode. See you.